1: Hey, this is Trevor from Halifax calling in to say that
2: I support creative control on Patreon because I think long-form arts journalism is a crucial part of music culture and there's simply not enough of it out there today. Vish is a master interviewer, he lands great guests, and he has his finger on the pulse of the ever-changing music landscape both here in Canada and abroad. For all of these reasons and many more, I think you should support creative control on Patreon too.
0: To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. I'm Vish's wife, and I will love him no matter what you do, and now he has me on the record saying that. Creative Control with Vish Khanna.
2: Kevin Smith is a filmmaker, writer, podcaster, author, comic book store, co-owner, public speaker, and entrepreneur who originally hails from the state of New Jersey. Since making a name for himself with the independent comedy Clerks in 1994, Smith has expanded the universe of his View Askew production company, often writing, directing, producing, and acting in a slew of films, many of which feature him playing the quiet half of the duo Jay and Silent Bob. His long resume includes other films and television credits, writing comic books, and co-founding the Smodcast Podcast Network, where he has hosted a few different shows. A full accounting of where Smith came from and where he's at now can be found via Canadian filmmaker Malcolm Ingram's comprehensive and star-studded new documentary, which is called *Clerk* and is widely available on February 1st, 2022. I was recently granted 15 minutes with Kevin Smith to discuss this documentary for an exclaim magazine profile that I was assigned to write. And while this is shorter than a a usual talk on this show, I thought that it was pleasant and wide-ranging enough to share with you, the podcast listener. I hope you think I was right about this. We'll see. A part of the Entertainment One network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com/slash creative control, plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, the bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 664.5 of Creative Control. Yes, 0.5. Not enough for a whole show, I thought. It's not even half a show. Should I change the number? It's too late. 664.5 is the name of this episode, or number, the number of this episode. Featuring the lovely and talented Kevin Smith, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Kevin. Vish here. How you doing?
3: Nish, how are you, my friend? Look at that blues jersey, man. Sweet.
2: It's uh, Wayne Gretzky's birthday. Happy Wayne. I saw it. Happy Wayne.
3: One of the (laughs) rarest jerseys on the planet in terms of like, he wore it for like two minutes.
2: He didn't have it for long. I don't think he was really the captain. I, he, this says no. C. I feel like this is illegitimate, but I figured you would know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a walking lie. Everybody <laughs> just knows that's not true.
2: Nice to meet you. I'm a, I'm a big fan, so thank you for this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we don't have a lot of time, so I want to get to uh, this remarkable documentary. Uh, first of all, I wondered about the impetus for recording the, the video for your parents in 1992. Mm-hmm. It's such a poignant moment. It... Uh, It obviously is foundational. Can you talk about why you chose to do that before you headed off to Vancouver?
3: Yeah, it's so strange because it's like, essentially, it's a vlog. If you saw it today, you'd be like, oh, he he recorded a vlog. But, you know, it's 1992, and there's no internet yet, really, uh, other than maybe on college campuses. And um, I borrowed my uh, ex-girlfriend's mom's uh, video camera and then sat down and kind of uh, gave this... uh, like a dictated letter like just talk to my parents through the camera uh to say goodbye and 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 for some reason i was like overwhelmed by the notion that this was it everything was about to change like you know i was gonna go off and when i came back um perhaps be a famous filmmaker and, um it's crazy because my sister for for years would make fun of me for it she's like that tape is so weird she's going because you literally predicted your future she's like you everything you talk about like kind of comes to pass how'd you know I was like i I didn't know I was just like a 20 I was a knuckle knuckle-headed 22 year old kid who you know wanted to get through saying goodbye to his parents without crying which I would have if I was standing right in front of him so I was like I'm gonna give him this tape. And I remember my mom, my mom says it in the documentary and I love it to death. It makes me laugh. My dad passed away almost uh, next year. will be 20 years ago. But my dad, my mom said when he watched the tape, my dad was like, well, at least he thinks he's going to be famous. So that's something.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, are you like, I I don't know. Did you make many videos like that one by by chance? That was the only one.
3: Oh, I wish. I wish I was like, Like Adam Goldberg, who makes the TV show The Goldbergs, when he was a kid, like he had a video camera and he just ran around shooting and he had tapes, tons of tapes. So when he pitched The Goldbergs, he showed this footage from some of the tapes. And the network is like, you literally have to end every episode with that footage. And so that's every episode of The Goldbergs ends with some real footage that came from Adam's personal collection. I you know Adam had parents who loved him and gave him a VHS camera. I didn't have one. I didn't have parents like that. I had to borrow a VHS camera and then I had to give it back. So if I believe if I would have had access to it 24/7, oh, there'd be volumes like behind me of tapes of me just sitting there talking to the camera cuz like, you know, I was a writer at heart. And so by that point, you know, I'm 22 years old, I had been writing pretty hardcore since I was 9 years old. So here was another way to write. You know, without actually doing this kind of thing, yeah, um, and just talking to the camera. So it really came out of a need to like say goodbye to mom and dad and thank them and heartfelt thank you. But it is kind of weird that like that kid, he had high hopes. Thankfully, that they came true.
2: Well, those of us who have followed your career know it's built on audacity. I mean, you try things, you have confidence. But when you look at that video, and when I looked at that video. Obviously, it's prescient, but are you surprised by how much confidence you're exhibiting at that age, heading to Vancouver and saying, "This is it. Everything's going to change."
3: Yeah, I look. I, there are times where I, I hate young Kevin Smith because he's so, you know, insouciant and he's so in his twenties and stuff. But I absolutely love that Kevin Smith. That's the kid that got me here, and I don't know where he found that confidence because i lived his life and it wasn't like wow man i've been running around with a super eight camera since i was eight years old i had literally just seen richard linklater's slacker um from the time i made that tape let me see it was february i saw it in august september october november december i make that tape in january because i leave in february so five six months after i see a movie like I'm very coldly like oh yeah I'm going to make a film now as well I, I this just makes sense to me so I I don't know even when I watch it now I admire his moxie so much and I identify with my, what my dad said about him I was like well at least he thinks it's going to work out well the fact um, that
2: the fact that you took the time to message your parents suggests you had a very loving relationship with them and they were supportive of you and when we watch the documentary and we see how you explore drama and in high school like I know from my own experience like I didn't I love my parents but they wanted me to be a lawyer or a doctor so they dissuaded me from being into music and comedy but I'm still I made it I still I mean I'm involved in those things so I imagine you did it because you did feel supported and loved like you you wanted to let them know that they built you and now it's the rocket's taken off. Is that a fair assessment?
3: Very much so. And it was also like they were doing me a real solid. Like, you know, here there was their youngest kid who was always the baby and and like never finished anything. You know, I finished high school, but like tried to go to college a few times and then just kind of trickled out of it and stuff. And, you know, my mom was like, Why don't you want to be a waiter like your brother, you know, like because my brother's working in restaurants doing yeah. real well. And, you know, I, I, the fact that they were, that I was like, I'm going to this film school in Vancouver and they weren't like, no, you're not, you know? And even though I was 21, 22 years old, they totally could have like yanked my chain or let me know that they didn't approve or whatnot. Yeah. But they let me like follow the dream. And I know, I know my parents very well. I know they were not expecting what happened. They were just like my mom's philosophy was like, he's going to, Get make his movie and get it out of his system, and then he'll get a real job like his brother. Yeah, so I was, I think I was sitting there really like giving that to them their appreciation because I knew I it was far fetched. Like I was 21, 22, 22 at that point. Was it 20? Yeah, by the time I left, I was 22. So, you know. Uh, it, they, they were like, look, the time to go to college was back then. And you barely did that. You're going to try this now. Yeah. And this requires you to move to a different place and go to a different country and get a passport and all this stuff. But the fact that they were like, all right, go do it. I felt I had to like tell them who I was. You know what I'm saying? It's not just the same old kev, the same old knucklehead. This is a different version of your son. Yeah. You yeah. know, at least that's what I was thinking. And, and thankfully I was able to live into those words, live up to them.
2: Well, we talked a little bit about Vancouver and, uh, I want to talk about Canada because I think it plays a huge role, surprising role in your life as a Jersey guy. Uh, just mm. for context, I'm from Cambridge, Ontario originally, uh, and which is just near Brantford. Uh, and yeah. I'm, and we moved to Edmonton. My wife's family is from Edmonton. So I'm in Edmonton. A lot of hockey, Gretzky stuff. I know it comes up in the doc, but we, I wanted to, so I mean, Gretzky, hockey, Canada, that's important to you. Vancouver seems to still be a city that you view as being significant. Can you talk a little bit about what that city and maybe what our country means to you?
3: Uh, country has always meant uh, the land of mystery to me. Like uh, Canada, to me, is the Texas of North America. You know, down here in in, in America, Texas is this vast land of mystery populated with uh, characters and brave individuals and whatnot. That, to me, is what Canada was because my first interaction with Canada was my parents... Um, went to Niagara Falls when they got married for their honeymoon, as many people on the East coast did back in the day. Um, there was an anniversary. I think I was five or six years old. Um, it was five it was 1975 or it was six. Cause it was around the time that uh, the expo. Yeah. Can- yep. Expo Canada happened. Um, or the Montreal world fair. One of those. Cause I remember Expo in
2: Montreal. In- yeah. That that's around that time. Yeah.
3: Yeah. By the floral clock in yep. Montreal. Yep. So my parents take us up to Niagara Falls um, and you know, like first they tell us we're going to a different country. And I was like, what? They're like, yeah, we're driving there. And I was like, chitty, chitty, bang, bang style <laughs> I another country in a car. <laughs> so we drove up and we go to Niagara Falls and everything is just different enough where it's like, there are a bunch of stores I've never heard of. So you feel like you're in a movie with made up brands. The police don't wear blue. They wear red and they don't drive in cars or on horses. And the thing that really captured my imagination was, is particularly Niagara Falls based, Uh, On the wall, there was a series of photos of dead Canadians who had tried to go over the falls in a barrel. So I'm five years old, six years old, and my father is laying this out for me, reading. He's like, well, this guy, he tried in 1829, and he got dashed on the rocks. And this one, and I'm looking at a wall of dead people, and that really captured my imagination where I'm like, this is a nation." full of the bravest daredevils. They're all evil Knievel up here. Like you can't be Canadian unless you go over the falls. It was amazing. So I left there with a big respect for the country. Uh, Like my parents bought souvenirs. I still have them from uh, like a, a box of crayons that say like Niagara falls on them and stuff. And so it became this very romantic place in my heart from the time I was five. Now, years after that, you introduced me to SCTV. You introduced me to hockey you introduce me to Degrassi and that bond only gets stronger and stronger so much. So that when I do go to film school, like, you know, they didn't have anything like it in the States, but part of the draw was like, I get to go to Canada. Like I've always liked Canada. And particularly at that point, when I went up to the Vancouver film school in 92, I was huge Degrassi fan. Like I had just gotten into Degrassi two years prior. So I've always loved the country. I've always felt very Canadian. I describe it thusly, and I hope uh, folks up there don't take this the wrong way. But I think there's an identity factor um, at work. And uh, I I saw it at play when Clerks came out. There was a a, a letter in the Georgia Strait where somebody was like, why won't people acknowledge the fact that Clerks is a Canadian film? Somebody thought it was a Canadian film because of all the hockey and and stuff like that. And so I was always like, so... Proud of that because I'm like, oh, my God, I was mistaken (laughs) for a Canadian. But I think the I think why Canadians kind of dug my stuff or particularly clerks uh, like, uh, you know, when I started my career, especially was because there's something about New Jersey. Yeah, that is very similar to Canada in as much as we are both situated next to very loud, very obnoxious neighbors that steal all the glory in the <laughs> attempt So, you know, I grew up in the shadow of New York, which is everything. It sets the time. It's where the television comes from. Yeah. And, you know, New Jersey is the butt of nuclear waste jokes across the river. Right. Um, Canada grows up in the shadow of America, which is like everything and huge and in your face. Yeah. And always has to deal with like I'm sure opening up a newspaper and be like what is America up to today? <laughs> that's what it's so like. <laughs> I, think, I think there's an identity factor at work here, and that maybe that's why I truly identified with Canadians. I don't feel they have a chip on their shoulder like people from New Jersey have a chip on their shoulder growing up in the shadow of New York. Yeah, but there's a a kind of patience to the Canadian character that oddly enough, I recognize in the New Jersey character. And I think many people would probably be like, you're out of your mind. New Jersey people are never this reasonable, yeah. but there's a patience that comes with having to be second because that other thing is so big and so attention grabby. Yeah. Like it, it's like the middle child syndrome. Yeah, perhaps. totally. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We have that. So I think yeah. that's,
3: I think that's what I saw in Canada and I think that's what, early Canadians saw my early work particularly yeah. because man, they just accepted me right into their bosom, man. From the, from the time we screened clerks at the Toronto film festival where I met Malcolm Ingram, the director of clerk, this documentary, um, up until like I was just up in Canada with clerk. We did a screening at, uh, we did one in Toronto at the mm-hmm. queen Elizabeth, but in Vancouver, we did it at the Rio theater, yeah. which yeah. I saved a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like going home. It's honestly, it's like most cats assume that I am Canadian up there. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it's only the ones that are real deep into like the trivia of it all. Like, no, he's from New Jersey. Yeah. But there are a lot of people that are just like, oh, my God. Like, so what part are you from? What province were you from? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm from the province of New Jersey, if you can believe that. <laughs>
2: in the limited time we have left, I appreciate all that. But in the limited time we have left, I just want to ask you two things. Were you surprised by how sentimental – and emotional. This documentary wound up being—you cry many times, Kevin, and it's uh, <laughs> yeah. it's heartbreaking, and it it ch- choked me up watching it. So I want to ask Same. about that. If you were surprised about that, not just from your own perspective about how you come across, but others. And right. and finally, what do you hope people take away from Clerk? So can you speak to those two things in the time we have left?
3: Absolutely. The uh, yeah, I wear my heart on my sleeve, and uh, and I'm a stoner, and so that makes you even more just open and in touch uh, in touch with your emotions and open to the idea of being emotional uh, no matter what. So like you can find all manner of clips of me on the internet crying over things like the flash TV show and whatnot, uh, or over the death of my dog uh, in this documentary. It's generally about like Jason Mews, like uh, us getting our feet in the cement, at the Chinese theater or my, my dad or something like that. But like, Uh, appreciation, gratitude will bring it out of me a lot. And so I don't, I really don't mind, you know, I'm 51. Like, I feel like I've done enough where if I want to cry, if I want to let my emotions like kind of run wild and be seen crying, I've earned it. And I've leaned into that over the course of the last like five years, particularly. And, um, you know, it's, to me, it's been insanely gratifying because I watched the trickle down effect on social media where people are just like, I feel the same way and I would never admit it. And then yeah. put up pictures of themselves crying and stuff like that. So I, I'm, I'm not surprised that that wound up in the movie. That's just like part and parcel with me at this point. If I'm going to be on camera sooner or later and he got me there for like two hours, probably going to cry. <laughs> Chances are there's going to be some tears somewhere. Because <laughs> um, life is beautiful. When you're a stoner, life is so beautiful. Like everything, you see the beauty in everything, everything's connectivity and whatnot. Sure. Uh, what do I hope people get out of the movie is, uh, you know, I, uh, the movie goes out of its way uh, to say differently. Um, but I don't feel that I'm anything special. Uh, I just feel the difference between me and most people is that I was like, I think people need to hear what's on my mind. And I took a shot. So I'm always encouraging people like take a shot. And I'm not saying go make a movie unless that's the thing that you feel is calling you. But listen to your muse. And I don't mean Jason muse. I mean, your M-U-S-E. And the muse is not just there for creative people. It's not just for artsy, for ROT people. It's that voice that tells you, like, you should do this. You could try this. This would be a cool thing. Yeah. And then you have another voice instantly comes down, shouts it down. So, oh, not you. Other people do that. It, it would, if, it was, if you were meant to do it, you would have done it by now. I hope that this movie teaches people to shut down that second voice. Just ignore that second voice. I've smoked it away in the last like 10 years. Anytime that voice is like, don't make yoga hosers. I'm like, we're making yoga hosers. (laughs) And for better or for worse, (laughs) you know, you dial in and and you kind of go forward with your, with your passion. So I'm not saying people have to write a book or make a TV show or whatnot. I'm saying there's something, there's some way to uniquely express you uh, and who you are in this world And, you know, it's it's one thing to jump on social media and be like, this is what I feel about politics or movies, that or the other thing. That's fine. That's a form of sharing. But I mean, sharing deeply of yourself. Give us the essence of who you are. Don't leave this world without letting us all know who the hell you are, man, because you are so damn special and you have so much to offer. You're a little content generator, man. So generate some content for us.
2: Kevin, it's uh, well said. I want to thank you for this time, and and thank you for participating in this incredible documentary. I hope people check out Clerk, and uh, I just want to say thank you. I'm, I've been a fan since Clerks, and it's uh, it's just meaningful for me to get to spend a little bit of time with you. So thank you,
3: leash You're you're so kind, man. You rock. Many many thanks for the time you give me.
2: Hey, thanks again to you there uh, listening to this episode with uh, Kevin Smith. I hope you enjoyed that if you're a fan of Kevin's. And uh, if you're not a fan of Kevin's, uh, I hope you felt like you learned a little bit something about him there. And if you want, you can learn more about him by watching that documentary, Clerk, which, uh, as I understand it, is out very soon. Uh, So check that out. And thanks again to Kevin and the team who arranged this conversation, which uh, uh, ended up being the 664.5th episode of creative control it's unusual for me to do half episodes but this was so short that i thought i would i don't know what i was thinking with this one anyway it's the 664.5th episode of creative control which is part of the entertainment one podcast network and is available wherever you get your podcasts if you can't find an episode you're looking for or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter please visit my website vishkana.com You can like Creative Control on Facebook if you if you like to. There, Uh, you can also follow the show on Twitter at Vish Creative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter or on Instagram and and on Instagram, sorry, at Vishkana. Also, please visit Patreon.com/slash Creative Control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast. We have a modest Patreon, but it's uh, means a lot. By the way, six dollars or more grants you access to exclusive content. Uh, from this uh, podcast and from my audio archives and occasionally in my video archives I actually uh, put up the video version of this conversation with Kevin for the Patreon people uh, early so if you do a $6 or more donation uh, to our Patreon you can watch me and Kevin have a chat instead of just listen to us it's just this again but with us, our faces and our bodies, some of our bodies and stuff, in the, the stuff we wanted to show off in the background of our Zoom screen, you know, that kind of thing. Anyway, if you're interested in any of that or receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, uh, again, patreon.com slash creativecontrol. Message me on Patreon and I'll get you a shirt while supplies last. Thanks again to uh, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee, uh, nice respective businesses in my old hometown of Guelph, Ontario. And also Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, amazing donuts, for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to uh, my old pal Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music of his on this show. You can learn more about Jim, and I think he's got a new album out. I know he does, because I got it at my house, but I haven't uh, haven't figured that out yet. Anyway, uh, I haven't put it on the turntable, is what I mean. I don't know what it is. If it's a I feel like you put out two things. Anyway, go to jimguthrie.org. I have to do this now to figure out what I just said make sense of it. jimguthrie.org for more information about Jim. And finally, thank you for listening to this episode with Kevin Smith. I already said that, but thanks again. I hope you'll subscribe to the podcast or follow it. I hope you'll ask your friends to do the same. Help spread the word about it. And uh, otherwise, I will talk to you very soon. Thank you. Bye for now.